What does Colgate mean by live life to the brightest? Could it be a rich glass of red sipped inside a Parisian cafe on a snowy night when my gaze is met by a tall, mysterious... I mean, brushing is directed with Colgate Optic White Pro Series Toothpaste gives you a visibly whiter smile in just three days so you can live life to the brightest and finish that glass without worrying about teeth stains. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. Welcome to Raiders of the Lost Podcast, the ultimate film and TV podcast. We are your hosts, James and Anthony. Welcome to Movie News number 82. Let's discuss the Golden Globes, a Jeremy Runner update, as well as the Hollywood media attack on Francis Ford Coppola. Hello, movie friends. Welcome back to the show. Hope you're having a great weekend so far. It is only six days until our live show in Los Angeles. Jim, are you excited? I am ecstatic. We just did our sound check for it yesterday, going over the lighting and the placement of the the stage and how we're going to be sitting and all the fun stuff that we're going to be doing during the show. And so we have six days. It's going to be Saturday, January 21st at 12 p.m. Pacific time in Los Angeles. You can get tickets to attend in person still, or you can get digital live stream tickets Both those ticket options I'll put in the bios of the episode, the video on YouTube, as well as Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Now, the cool thing about those digital live stream tickets is even if you can't watch live at 12 p.m. Pacific Time, California, you can also just have access. You get access to the show for seven days so you can watch it Saturday night. You can watch it Sunday, Tuesday. Whenever you have time to watch it, you'll be able to watch the entire full show at any moment, and you can watch it multiple times. And if you come in person, we're going to have like a fun after party afterwards. We're in Los Angeles, so downtown LA, the Hayworth Theater, Dynasty Typewriter, that's the name of it. Link for the tickets for both options, in-person attendance, and the live stream broadcast will be in the bio on Instagram, on Twitter, or again, just in the descriptions of this episode. We have a terrific plan, and I think we're going to bring down the house for oh, sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's yeah. going to be a lot of fun. We're very excited. It's going to be t- fantastic. All right, let's get into the box office. It was a pretty healthy box office for the MLK weekend. Now, Avatar 2 obviously is still in first place with a very strong $35 million dollars. And its fifth weekend, it is now at $1.8 billion globally. So it's definitely going to hit $2 billion, no problem. It How actually, much is it made in 2023? Like probably $200 million. Probably more than that. Yeah. In India, it actually broke the record for the highest box office ever in India. It surpassed Avengers Endgame. So it's a big hit all over Asia. Next in second place, Megan for its second weekend pulled in a very strong $20 million weekend. It is now at 60 million box office domestically, so this is turning into one of Blumhouse's biggest hits ever already. It looks like it's a shoo-in for 100 million domestic once its run is over. Megan. Megan. (laughs) Megan. Um, yeah. (laughs) Puss in Boots came in third place with a good 16 million for its third weekend. It's closing in on 100 million domestically, although it's still pacing behind its uh, first film. Next up, A Man Called Otto had a very good second weekend with $14 million box office. Its first weekend was only uh, $5 million, but it was only in 500 theaters. Now it has a wide release, and it pulled in a good $14 million. It's now over $20 million, so it looks like the older crowd is coming out to theaters again, which is why I think the upcoming 80 for Brady film starring those four Oscar-winning actresses they, I think that movie's going to do really well at box office because, you know, older 
people love going to the movies and like exotic marigold hotel is a huge hit downton abbey abbey is always a huge hit at the box office and so those people really can bring in the box office receipts so i have a, I have a feeling 80 for brady is going to be a good hit then they have the the buffet afterwards yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, they take the uh, the shuttle to the to the movie theaters it's, it's yeah next up we have plane which brought in a very disappointing $3 million opening weekend. However, it's getting great audience reviews with a 98% Rotten Tomato score for its audience score. I kind of want to watch it. Well, yeah, I mean, it's from the producers of Black of uh, Olympus Has Fallen. That and I think, I think the director. So I think I might want to check this out because, you know, Gerard Butler, just killing bad guys. Sometimes it's all I want to see. On a plane. In a plane. <laughs> At crash lands. It could have used with a better movie title, though. Plane. <laughs> I guess Gerard Butler fought for that. Oh, yeah. tried to name it Mayday. And he's like, it's called, it's on a plane. Let's call it plane. <laughs> I don't know if he said it like that, but. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, motherfuckers, I'm through a butler. We're going to call it plane. <laughs> Next up, the whale made $2 million and it has passed $10 million in total on its domestic run. So it's doing well. It's still getting good word of mouth. It's still not on a completely wide release. So it's one of A24's only films that has made over $10 million now. So good for them. And you missed one. House Party, a Warner Brothers film, which was originally planned for an HBO Max streaming release uh, at first. They moved it to theaters, and it had a disappointing opening weekend with only $3 million of a domestic total. It looks like this movie will probably go to HBO Max within the next couple of weeks since it was such a disappointing opening. And actually, that, was, a, that was the original plan. Pretty sure it's a remake as well. There's a movie in the 1990s that's called House Party. I think it's like kind of the same script. Hmm. Except I'm surprised how low this this came, this came box office was because LeBron was involved. He's in the movie. He's takes, a producer. He takes place yeah. like at his mansion fictionally. So Oh, yeah. They go into Bron's mansion. Yeah. yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean... They, they can't all be hits, I guess. Now, the Golden Globes were obviously on Monday, right? Which was a... Tuesday. Tuesday. That's Tuesday a night. weird day. But isn't it usually on Sundays? It's always on Mondays. Monday. I'll tell you why. Tell us why, man. So, gold, the Globes and Oscars are always on Sunday nights, no matter yeah. what broadcasting station is doing, whether it's NBC, whether it's CBS, ABC. They always do Sunday nights because Sunday nights are generally the best times for primetime viewers. Yeah, because I remember it was, it was you were watching them like the Globes are on tonight. I had yeah. no idea. A friend told me and I was like, wait, it's Tuesday? Not that like, I, cared. I had plans tonight. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even know. So the reason why they aired it on Tuesday was because the, the numbers have been so low the past two years. Obviously, the COVID year, that's acceptable. There weren't that many movies that came out that year. But then last year, it only they only got six point nine viewers. And this year, and they didn't even do it at a. They didn't even put it on a show. It was just all streamed. It was just an, it was just announced online. Yeah. So that's acceptable. But this year, the Golden Globes had its lowest viewership in its entire history, with only six point two million viewers on television watching the show, which is extremely extremely low for an event like that. So NBC. They decided to air it on Tuesday night because they anticipated such low numbers because they air Sunday night football on Sunday nights on NBC. And Sunday night football can easily get triple those numbers and sometimes surpass 20 million viewers depending on the game. So NBC was like, we're not going to lose that advertising money. So they They're actually- waiting all week yeah. for Sunday, Sunday night. Thanks, Carrie Underwood. <laughs> <laughs> so NBC was just like, yeah, we're going to keep football on Sunday night. So that's why it aired on Tuesday. And they were right because of the lower viewership. I'm actually not surprised. The last time the Globes got very good viewership were when Ricky Gervais last hosted, it got 20 million views. 2019. 20, yeah, in 2019. But that's. But I can understand why because 
award shows the last few years have become less about celebration, less about entertaining and become very serious. And it's it's not a fun time anymore. And I watched pretty much the entire award show and I'm very happy for all the winners. And, you know, they did. I think they did a good job picking who went who won each category. But the show itself was not fun. It was not funny. It was not very entertaining, and that's what award shows have been like recently. Back when Gervais, or they would have like a, a really funny, outrageous comedian host, they were like a lot of fun. You're like laughing out loud during the breaks, and then you're watching the speeches. Sometimes there would be great musical numbers. I think the entertainment factor has kind of been eliminated, and so I think those viewers who maybe aren't the biggest movie fans, but they're like, oh no, I want to see, you know, I want to see John Stewart, or I want to see Ricky Gervais roast everyone those viewers aren't turn, tuning in anymore. And so, I mean, it's, that's a sign for its dwindling viewership, I would say. Because hardcore movie fans, yeah, they're going to watch the Globes yeah. and we're going to stay in tune of like who wins the awards, but the average person is no longer going to tune into the Globes. And I think this is probably a little precursor for the Academy Awards coming in February yeah. that they might not have a very high viewership either, despite the fact that they had that that unusual bump in ratings last year because of the slap. Everyone went to go watch the show because they were hearing about it online. So that was obviously an inflated and kind of an artificial rating for when they actually showed off like, oh, we actually had solid ratings. It's like if that slap didn't happen last year, it's like the opening numbers were not very good until like that happened Then everyone started tuning in. And Jimmy Kimmel is hosting this year the Oscars. So we'll see. I'm not sure how, how audiences love him. I'm not. I'm. I don't watch any talk shows anymore. So we'll see. I All think. Right. I mean, just get Chris Rock to do it every year. I know. <laughs> <laughs> they should. <laughs> That's what I would say. <laughs> All right, moving on to a Jeremy Renner update. He is recovering well. Mayor of Kingstown's Hugh Dillon opened up about Jeremy Renner's slope, snowplow incident. The co-creator called the relief he felt when he heard that Renner was recovering in the ICU and detailed the video that the actor sent him confirming his progress, which he described as so funny and profane. So that's really exciting to hear that Jeremy Renner is recovering and hopefully makes a full recovery from yeah. the, a horrific injury and accident. And we're just thinking about that guy because he's such a cool dude and we love his movies and hopefully he can come back to being who he was in terms of like doing action roles and like being healthy and everything like that. Yeah, it's a good sign. Next up, John Williams has actually changed his mind about retiring. I'm not fucking leaving. I'm not fucking leaving. I'm not fucking leaving. The show goes on. They're <laughs> <laughs> gonna have to bring in a SWAT team to bring me out. Whatever, whatever Jordan says in Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> so John Williams and Steven Spielberg had a great discussion. You should check it out online. They talked about their history, fifty years of making movies together. It's a really great talk. Was All, Jaws the first movie they did together? Jaws was the first one. Also, Scorsese and Spielberg also did a 40-minute discussion talking about Fablemans and both of their careers, which is really great. Check that out online on YouTube as well. And so they discussed their history, and then John Williams said, and it seemed to surprise Spielberg, that I got 10 more years in me, and I'm not going anywhere, basically. So he said... <clears throat> So I've got 10 more years to go. I'll stick around for a while. Also, you can't retire from music. It's like breathing. It's your life. It's my life. A day without music is a mistake. And then Spielberg responded, I got to figure out what I'm going to do next now. (laughs) (laughs) Plus, I remember I saw in the interview, he also said that Steven's father worked until he was 100 years old. So, I mean, I might as well, too. It's hard to turn down Steven Spielberg on a movie. So, yeah, that's really amazing. That's great. That the goat is not retiring. Hell yeah. Can you imagine being 90 and still being like, yeah, let's make another fucking movie. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go. All right. We have some more news. 
There was a huge like attack on Francis Ford Coppola this week with his film Megalopolis, which we all know is a really like a lifelong passion project he's been trying to make for for decades now. And he completely is self-funding this movie, $120 million of his own cash into this movie. Obviously, he makes Coppola a lot. Wines. Coppola wines, baby. <laughs> so go buy some Coppola wine to help support this film. <laughs> they have a great Pinot Noir. It's actually a good Cabernet. Now, this it was a weird week because, according to The Hollywood Reporter, several key members of the film's creative production team were removed from the project. Production designer Beth Mickle and supervising art director David Scott reportedly left the production last week, leaving the film without an art department. A spokesperson for the Art Directors Guild told each THR that it's currently looking into the situation to determine Slow down. To determine the <laughs> next steps. Coppola is reporting, reportedly... I'm sorry, I can't Slow. talk to you. Coppola is reportedly trying to replace their positions. As for the visual effects team, Coppola allegedly fired most of its members in early December, including... In the Heights, Mark Russell, the production is reportedly shifting to more green screen effects because of budget constraints. And you should have seen film Twitter, man. They're oh, yeah. going after Coppola like he has no idea what he's doing. I saw a tweet there. Someone said, not so easy making a Marvel-sized movie. Is it? Is it Coppola? What? And I'm just thinking to myself, I, I feel like a lot of people have no idea what his career is like or have seen Apocalypse Now. Because Apocalypse Now, which is a very successful war film, one of the best all time. That was a movie that Coppola completely funded himself. Now, he made that back in 1970, and Francis Ford Coppola was in the hole $31 million back then of his own money, which is $230 million today. So pretty much double the budget that Megalopolis is. That's how much he was in for Apocalypse. Now, not to mention a typhoon destroyed many of their sets. The Philippines kept repossessing their helicopters, so they couldn't even use helicopters sometimes for filming. Brando improvised every goddamn line in that movie, went off script He never read the script. And everyone's doubting Coppola and like basically trashing it took, him. It took them almost a year to finish filming. And, and this is the guy who made the two, the two Godfather movies, the, the, and obviously the third one, but the first two Godfather movies, I mean, the conversation, Apocalypse Now was like the most horrific set of all time, not to mention crew members were fighting, actors were fighting yeah. each other on set. There's a great documentary about it. It's really intense, it's, and it, like, almost killed Coppola. And so, obviously, all these hit pieces were basically coming out against Coppola, and the production's like, oh, they're he's gonna fail, which is wild. It's like, just adding so much gasoline to this fire that's really kind of a non-story. Yeah, people leave productions, things happen, there are disagreements and changes in direction during stories and productions of films, but it's Francis freaking Ford Coppola, the I'm putting my entire life savings on him to pull off an incredible movie. And who cares if he's moving to green screen? The guy knows what the hell he's doing. He's one of the best American directors of all time. Like, and you're going after the guy? It's, Have you seen really, his movies? It's really odd. To, and also, like this competition thing of like comparing it to like a, a Marvel movie or a DC movie. So weird. It's like, I mean, what does that have to do with anything? It's like, why would you, why, why would people want to hate on a filmmaker trying to make a, a passion project of their own artful like inside into the world and in their own story like why why would people attack that especially out of the studio system yeah like he's independently funding a like nobody makes independent movies of that scale and so it's such a fascinating thing and a really cool thing to do to be like i'm gonna make a huge movie but i have complete control of it no studio interference no studio is gonna be telling me what to do like shouldn't you be celebrating that you should 
And then obviously Coppola responded by saying like, just wait. <laughs> you don't think I've ever been here before? He's like, this is nothing compared to Apocalypse Now. Come on. Oh my God. He made the conversation in between the two Godfather movies. Come on. It's yeah. Coppola. I mean, modern cinema owes a lot to him. It's, it's pretty wild. Bananas. I don't dude. understand why people are so quick to hate others. All right. Anyways, some good news. The Last of Us is premiering tonight on HBO Max. They are expecting huge ratings, and they're hoping this can fill in the gap between their House of the Dragon numbers because they don't have anything that is monumentally big like a blockbuster like that show. So it seems like The Last of Us has the potential to be that, like, while House of the Dragon is not airing, Last of Us is airing, vice versa, for the next few years. We're very excited to watch the show. We're also going to do weekly reviews on the podcast every Tuesday, so keep an eye out for those. James also just started playing the game. Last night in... It was really cool. It's, it's really awesome. It was. I felt like I was in a movie. I haven't played a video game in like eight years. Got a PS5, obviously, for Hogwarts Legacy, but started playing The Last of Us. Calvin, thank you so much for letting me download a bunch of your games. And it's really incredible. The story is really fascinating. It's like a new take on zombies and like an outbreak. So I'm excited to see the show tonight with Pedro Pascal as the lead awesome lead actor the guy's so in demand right now so hot Hansel so hot so excited for the show but also I think by the end of the show in the TV series we'll do like a game versus show recap which would be a lot of fun also I'm glad to hear that they got the video games composer Gustavo Santaolalla uh, he did both video games I listened to those scores a lot yeah and it looks like they got him for the first episode and they have another composer who will be taking on after that. But it looks like they got him to create the sound of the film. In so, the theme. I bet he's yeah. overseeing the music in general. Yeah, for sure. Probably. So I'm looking forward to hearing the music too. Some more news is Jake Gyllenhaal and Conor McGregor. We got the first look at their remake of Roadhouse. Conor looks big. This is the biggest I've ever seen yeah. Conor McGregor. Guy is jacked right yeah. now. He's always been obviously in shape. But, but not he's, like he's not. He's always been a middleweight. He's never been like as bulky right. as he is now. Or a featherweight, but, yeah. Um, he, put, he put on some weights. And Jake looks pretty cool. I'm I'm very curious about this movie. Obviously, reboots and remakes are just, are just the craze. This is an original movie that starred Patrick Swayze. So now these two are gonna team up for this film. They're bouncers. I wonder if it's it looks kind of like a a buddy bouncer movie sort of. Yeah, they're I, both wearing like the like floral shirts. They're like swimming in the ocean. It looks like they I don't know they got in a fight in the water. I thought that. Conor McGregor was going to be a cameo in the film, but it looks like he's going to be a major actor in the in the film. Probably. I'm sorry, film. I said, I meant to say. So it looks like I, I can't wait to see him acting in a movie because he's such an infectious, unique, like electrifying personality, and he's obviously going to bring that to the screen. So I can't wait to see them playing off each other. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Next up, 
<clears throat> we got some Batman news. A couple things in a row. <laughs> Matt Reeves has been asked about the writing process of the Batman 2, and he said, to me, the thing that re I really feel is that I also believe that Rob is so special in the role. My goal has always been to do these point-of-view stories that allow the character to always be the emotional center of the story because a lot of times what happens is after you do the first one, then suddenly other rogues gallery characters come in and they kind of take over, and then Batman takes a backseat sort of character-wise or emotionally. So what, was he throwing shade? Oh, uh, yeah. I suppose what he's saying is he doesn't want to do more than one villain in a, at a time. So you, you have... The Dark Knight, they have Harvey Dent, you have the Joker, and then in other Batman movies, you'll get like up to three villains or even four villains at a time. So it looks like he just wants to keep the antagonist numbers to one, which but also I, focus I like. on Batman. Yeah, I like, I I like hope, that. I hope they focus on Batman, but obviously I really hope he goes more into Bruce Wayne in the mind of Bruce Wayne, the diaries and stuff like that. I would love I to see I want more narration. More. That'd be really awesome. Mm -hmm. And also Matt Reeves is going to meet with James Gunn and Peter Safran. Is it Paul Safran or Peter Safran? Peter Saffron, right? I think it's Peter Saffron. The to discuss his plans for Batman in the Batverse going forward and also to discuss their plans for the new DCEU. Now, this is interesting news because it probably means that they're going to all tie in together and they're probably going to infuse the Batman into the future of the DCU. I think that's what they're going to call it now. That's my assumption. Or they just want to see what Matt Reeves' plan is. I kind of hope that the Batman stays its own thing. I, I kind of just I agree. hope that we don't get like Superman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman involved in Pattinson's Batman. I kind of just want to just be its own little verse, its own little bat verse. But we'll see. I'm, I'm assuming that Warner Brothers wants to tap into that because it's so successful. I hope they don't. I hope it stays its own thing. I think it would be better that way because he, he created a really cool Gotham. And it's not the Gotham from the Snyder movies, so I mean, it doesn't really—it wouldn't make sense. And obviously, they're gonna reinvent the Gotham. Well, they're recasting everybody yeah, yeah, yeah. too. And but plus, just, they have the Penguin show coming out, so they're yeah. oh, he's making his own verse. Yeah, it might just be the Batman verse yeah. and then the DC verse. I hope so. I hope so. We'll see. A really cool trailer came out this week. Bo is afraid. Ari Aster's upcoming horror film starring Joaquin Phoenix, and it looks so wild, unlike anything he's ever done before. It looks very surrealist, very trippy. It looks like uh, you're going to get into the mind of someone who's suffering from a mental health crisis and uh, just hallucinations and insanity, and I can't be more excited. It looks... What's Ari Aster, what's special about him is that every one of his movies now looks completely different, which mm -hmm. is very cool. Yeah, and also the trailer's great, and it reminds me so much of... Uh, the Michael Scott episode. I mean, the, the office <laughs> the episode. Music. Where Michael Scott says, "Sings goodbye, Toby," at his at like the carnival goodbye, in the, in the parking lot because it's Goodnight Stranger. Yeah. Goodbye, Toby. Enjoy your paradise, Toby. Toby. <laughs> Liam Neeson stars in his 100th film called Marlowe. Now, this will be the 72nd trailer that takes place on a train. <laughs> no, kidding. no, it's a set. In, it's a crime thriller set in old Hollywood, like select Chinatown, <laughs> LA Confidential vibes. But 100 movies—that's crazy. I'm just kidding because he's had such a prolific career and he's made so many incredible movies. It's just like the last 10 years have kind of always been on a vehicle, a plane or a train. He's just yeah. an action guy. It's wild how his career shifted so much. I mean, obviously, he's Raz al Ghul in Batman Begins, spoiler alert, but you're also missing a big sci-fi one. What do you mean? The, a big well, I mean, sci-fi Yeah, one. like Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. But 
I mean, like holding the gun action guy, like a, a handgun, yeah, yeah, like yeah, saving yeah. people, like all. He the was time. John Wick before John Wick. Yeah, so yeah. it's really interesting to see where his career went when he was making a lot of cool and interesting movies. Also in the eighties and nineties, like he's in some Sam Raimi movies. Obviously, working with Scorsese multiple times. I, th- I think oh, yeah. the guy's tremendous, but his career is just—it's just interesting. He's just probably making bank, having fun on set, shooting guns. Oh yeah, some of them are just a good time. <laughs> yeah, honestly, they really are. Yeah. Moving on to some news on the Alien series, which is entering pre-production officially. This is showrun by Noah Hawley. Holly, his quote on the synopsis for Alien is: "It's set on Earth of the future." At this moment, I described that Edison ver- described it as Edison versus Westinghouse versus Tesla. Someone's going to monopolize energy and electricity. We just don't know which one it is. In the movies, we have this Wayland Utani Corporation, which is clearly also developing artificial intelligence. But what if there were other companies trying to look at immortality in a different way? With cyborg enhancements or transhuman downloads, which of those technologies is going to win? Sounds interesting. I, I just don't Doesn't love... Doesn't sound like an alien. <laughs> do, uh, yeah, I just don't love the concept of an alien movie on Earth. Yeah. But they got to do something different. I understand yeah, yeah, yeah. that. And it sounds like a cool pitch. And I'm sure the studio is excited about his idea. It sounds like we're going to... They're pro- These companies are going to be trying to deconstruct the biology of the xenomorph to mm-hmm. create immortality in a way, and so, then accidentally yeah. release it on Earth. We'll see. He did a good. He did a good job with the Fargo series with Legion. Um, so he's uh, been big on TV and highly critically praised. So we'll see. We'll have to find out until the first trailer comes out. Also, Ridley's producing. So we'll see what happens. Titanic is returning to theaters on April fifteenth for its twenty fifth anniversary i remember being kids and watching it that's crazy it'll be in 4k 3d on that date so all you fans of the epic adventure be sure to hit theaters that day april 15th heck yeah now kingdom of the planet of the apes just got a new actor owen teague is the lead who's been cast in this new trilogy however they just cast william h macy in this next Planet of the Apes movie, and it's going to take place sometime since the events of the last film of Caesar leading his his colony to f- freedom and a new home. There you say France <laughs> <laughs> to France. We are in France. Baguette, <laughs> <laughs> ape, baguette, <laughs> ape like baguette, <laughs> ape like wine. <laughs> So, Cigarettes, please. <laughs> the concept art's interesting where the basically the planet Earth is kind of swallowed cities. But I'm curious to see, I guess. Swallowed cities? Well, like nature's taking oh, over gotcha, cities. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. It's know. like I Am Legend. Yeah, exactly. They're disappearing, covered in greenery. Now, I'm curious to see where they're going to go with this new story, whether humans are going to be involved or not. I guarantee it will be a struggle between the two. So we'll see. Uh, William H. Macy's an awesome actor. Yeah, I wonder if these two guys are playing apes or humans. I believe Owen Teague is going to be playing an ape lead. I can't. I'm not 100 percent sure, but I know he's the lead of the he trilogy. Might, yeah, they'll, they'll have a new leader. Maybe like Caesar's like grandson, great great grandson, yeah, or something. That's my guess. Yeah, it'll be like Caesar the third. It'll be Romulus, <laughs> Commodus. <laughs> Next up, Ryan Reynolds is set to narrate National Geographic's upcoming docu series about ugly and disgusting animals. It'll be kind of like a comedy. Uh, 
comedic version of the docuseries format. This will premiere in 2025. It's called Underdogs and explores the animal world with a fresh, fun, and highly entertaining perspective. Partnering so closely with Ryan and Maximum Effort has allowed us to bake in their inimitable humor every step of the way. From conception to delivery of this unique series, as a result, underdogs will make you snort with laughter and possibly even spill your coffee on your lap. But ultimately, it pits a new spotlight on some of the weirder and less explored denizens of our planet and all underpinned by sound, science, and research. Wicked weird animals, kid. Wicked weird. I was throwing just a little Boston accent in there, wasn't I? A little bit. <laughs> yeah, it slipped out. Our final bit of news is we have some rom-com news, which I, I still feel like is a dead genre, but we'll see. Well, is this coming to theaters? Two of these. Mm-hmm. So we have Ashton Kutcher and Reese Witherspoon are going to star in Your Place or Mine. Reese, Sounds about right. Reese yeah. Witherspoon and Ashton Kutcher are Debbie and Peter, best friends and total opposites. She craves routine with her son in L.A. He thrives on change in New York. I love when the opposites are best friends. When they it doesn't s- make any sense. <laughs> when they swap houses and live in lives for a week, they discover what they think they want. What they want. When they swap houses and lives for a week, they discover what they think they want might not be what they really need. Uh Trailer is very rom-commy. And then Glenn Powell and Sidney Sweeney were just cast in an untitled rated R rom-com. I, I prefer rated R rom-coms. I think they're better. For sure. Because then you can have like sex and stuff in it. And it's just like <laughs> the other PG-13 rom-coms, they just always kind of like skip that part of it, dating. They just kiss. Yeah, they'll just be like, go in the bed and then cut. You, you, know, know? you don't have to have sex to have a great movie, Anthony. I'm just saying it's part of life. That's all I'm saying. I don't. See, I didn't see any sex. Well, actually, I was gonna say sleepless in Seattle, but and you've got mail. Well, yeah, they don't get together until the end. Yeah. So obviously, so you don't need it. <laughs> it's also a little creepy. That movie's a little stalkerish. She's stalkery. She's she stalks little, him in both movies. A little stalkery. Although she doesn't know who he is, and in, in, in you've got mail, but she's still like, well, no, they're kind of stalking. They're they're pen pals. No one's stalking anyone. Pen pals, which is the one where he's the son of the sleepless, public. sleepless in Seattle. All right. Is the one where she's like obsessed with him, and he's the son of the publishing company's yeah guy. Well, no, that's you've got mail. Uh-huh. Is that one because they end up becoming in life, in in real life, even though they don't know they're pen pals, they're like enemies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's like destroying her small business with the big company, the big library. And then you've got mails. He's got the son. And yes, and the he's radio look, show. Yeah, yeah, the radio show. That's the one I'm thinking. For, that's the one. Yeah, that, that one's a little weird. Yeah, because she's she even flies out to like see him and then like runs away when she sees him and it's like so weird. Well, I guess in the '90s that was more romantic, accepted yeah. and romantic. But if you did that, if like someone you've never if met it was before, a guy, if it was if they reversed roles and there was a guy like stalking her, it would have been a very different film. Or let, let's say you've been talking to someone in your DMs for like a week and then they just show up at your front door. You're like, whoa, yeah, uh, what's lot. up? How'd you? get my address <laughs> it's a little a little much the world's changed <laughs> but they're a charming couple in both movies anyways that wraps up movie news number 82 episodes we have for you this week we have best stoner ep- movies on monday yeah, tomorrow bruh. guys and then thursday is an episode best on, video game adaptations which was a lot of fun as well because we've been so excited and hyped for the last of us we also had special guest chosen one patreon chandler johnson on that episode so check fun. it out for him and again live show is on saturday get those tickets before the show airs for in person but again remember the the moment.co tickets the live stream tickets it gives you access to the show for seven days so if you can't tune in for the actual live event at 12 p.m on saturday you can watch it anytime over that seven day period in your own time yeah those tickets are moment.co slash raiders of the lost 
live in-person tickets in attendance, DynastyTypewriter.com. Links for all of those tickets. Yeah, are we got links. The description, we got bios, links. the link on our Instagram and Twitter and everything, all the socials. It's going to be it. a lot of fun. You can find the link. I know you. <laughs> a couple swipes and a click and you get those tickets. And the digital live stream experience ones are, are cheap too. Like yeah. 12 bucks. Yeah. It's nothing. Nothing, kid. It's a couple cups of coffee. coffee. Please, we got to pay for the venue. Please. We already put our check down for it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. See you next time. Raiders of the Lost podcast is a mirror image production. Sound mixing done by Jacob Kosler. Opening music by Chase Jackson.